0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Exact Health. Exact Health is a sports physical therapy app for the most common running injuries. The app simplifies access to professional and customized physical therapy without long waiting times and costs. Exact Health offers individualized plans that automatically adapt to your feedback, which is truly incredible. Over 15,000 runners have already healed their running injuries like Achilles tendonitis, plantar fasciitis, and so many other injuries with the Exact Health app. The plans on Exact Health are designed by world class physical therapists with the intent in mind of helping you guys to get back on the ground running. And also, if you aren't Uh, injured currently they also have a state-of-the-art prevention plan for runners that really introduces you into strength and mobility um, helps you to adopt good movement patterns and is really a baseline for amazing strength training that will keep you strong and healthy and hopefully avoid these injuries. As of recording this, I've actually been dealing with some shin pain and I downloaded the Exact Health app and that has definitely helped with the pain and helped me understand the pain a little bit more and some of the exercises I can do to strengthen that area so that it will go away eventually. I highly recommend you all give out this app a try. It's truly incredible, a very easy to use platform and has some amazing resources for both you when you're injured, but also, as I just mentioned, to Um, adopt good movement patterns and just stay strong in general so you guys can visit the link in the show notes of any episode for a quick link to download the app or just go to your app store and search exact health spelled e-x-a-k-t health in your app store and download the app today to try it out and hopefully feel better Welcome to this week's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleider. I'm your host, Dominic, and I'm thrilled you've clicked on today's episode because any episode I do with Sean McGordy is bound to be a great one, and today is no different from that. It is a really fun and insightful conversation. But before we hop into the episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you guys give us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It literally takes three seconds to do. And then in addition to doing that, share the show with your friends or on social media. That way we can hopefully reach new listeners and help them out in the process. But with all of that aside, I hope you all enjoy my conversation with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend, Sean McGordy. Sean McGordy, or as some people call you, Sean McGordy, how you doing today? <laughs>
1: I'm doing well. Uh, happy to be back on. I don't know if I've heard uh, that nickname maybe as much as you have, but um, it definitely gave me a little chuckle there.
0: <laughs> so in prep- this was not in preparation for the show today, but on my lunch break, I was watching a highlight video of something you were a part of this past summer, and I would not have known that you were a part of it if I had not watched the highlight video. I'm talking about the Blue Ridge Relay, I think it's called, Just take me through that experience, because that just seems like a blast of a few days with some close friends of yours and doing this fun event after your season's over.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, first off, how great of a job did uh, Alex Osberg do with that editing? Crushed it. Um, Yeah, great little highlight video there. But yeah, it's it's the Blue Ridge Relay. Um, I don't know exactly where it starts in Virginia, but just over the Virginia-North Carolina border. starts in the state park, and then... I think we run like 207 miles to Asheville, North Carolina. Um, This is the second year that a group of Stanford guys did it. Last year, they unfortunately got DQ'd. Uh, They didn't really see themselves properly and they basically ran too fast um, and were ahead of all the exchange zones before the volunteers were there. But this year we were seated appropriately. We actually um, had two runners from other schools as well. Um, John from UNC, and then Clayton from BYU. So uh, they, they helped round out the squad. Um, it was kind of like a last-minute thing. I had ended the season um, but knew all the guys were going to be down in North Carolina, and I was originally going to just go down there to hang out, spend some time on the lake, get some jet ski time in, uh, just kind of hit the reset button. But they were down a man. Um, someone got COVID that was going to run. And so, uh, honestly kind of wanted to, so it worked out well that I was able to hop on the relay and yeah, I mean, just an absolute blast. Um, I mean, it's just like so much time in the car, but I was with guys I haven't seen some of them I haven't seen since I graduated in 2018. Um, others, you know, even my closest friends that had kind of been, uh, maybe a year or close to a year or so just really great to be back with all of them kind of just doing the thing that brought us all together in the first place with, you know, it being a race, but also just, you know, kind of crazy when you're just running like in the pitch black, like at least one of my legs is on this like gravel road, part of it through like the woods and it's just completely pitch black. Um, definitely very different than the running I've been doing the past four to five years as a professional. And, and that was just fun to have that new experience and, um, you know, you're running at like four AM and like pouring rain and you know, it's not what you initially guess is gonna be a good time, but it definitely turns into a good time and absolutely exhausted by the end of it. Um <laughs> but it was it was a ton of fun and I think hopefully um you know, if someone watches the video they can definitely get a sense of that. Um and so yeah, it's really it's also just special to like have that video. Like I've watched it multiple times and it just you know, it instantly put a smile on my face, and it's been fun to watch with family and friends.
0: Yeah, I'll leave a link to the video on the, the show notes blow up mm-hmm. Alex Osberg's YouTube channel while we're at it. Um, I have <laughs> to ask, so, like, you were with so many close uh, friends and teammates from—former teammates from college— that makes me uh, remember that we are in the month of October, and if you think back to your Stanford days, this was when it was like time to really get fit and dial in. Nutty comb is this weekend, at least the week that we're recording this. So, what's it like recalling back to your days at Stanford in October when you were teammates with these guys and it was October and it was the time to be alive? You were crushing workouts and having a good time. Yeah, it was
1: actually uh, funny. I think we we're just. It might have been last night or two nights ago. Um, I was having dinner with my parents and one of my younger brothers, and we were kind of talking about where I think UNC was at with their season um, because obviously my coach is now there, or my, my college coach is now there, and just some of, one of Brandon's old teammates is on the team, and he had heard about a workout, and I was like, oh, that's like a classic milk workout for, like, <laughs> this time of the year because it just it, it's priming you for nutty comb or pre-nats. And that was always just, you know, that was kind of – the big test and kind of signaled you were just turning a point in the season. Um, Cause from there it's, it's post-season time. And um, you know, October, at least at Stanford was, you know, we're still thriving in some beautiful weather. So uh, you're cranking out workouts. I feel like you've kind of settled into your routine with school. Um, maybe it was like midterms were coming up. So I'm sure that was a little, a little stressful, but um, for the most part, you're kind of getting into your groove and we just really knew like, this was going to be the test like ideally you were in a lineup against the best individuals the best teams were going to be there um and so it, it was a big test heading into conference and kind of just a check of, of where things were at so i love this period of time and then you know conference was always like that halloween weekend and then november was you know obviously regionals and nationals but, but like october was always one of the more enjoyable months with that big meet um you know in the beginning of october and then conference championships are always special Regionals just that it didn't have the same uh feeling but i think that one was always kind of more like you're just kind of wanting to get in and check the box um at least that was kind of how we approached it i don't think we were ever you know we we won regionals a few times but i don't think we were always set on that i think the plan was just to always get the job done and get to national um and then obviously november is I mean, just consumed by uh, the national championship. So, October October's a fun one. And then, it, like, you know, then it's really the blinders are up in November.
0: So, I think I've had you on the podcast three or four times, to be honest. I've lost count <laughs> at, or track at this point. But I don't think I've ever asked you I mean, I'd, I've talked to you about your years at Stanford in depth and probably the first or second episode. But I don't think I've asked you something to the extent of what's the Stanford bond like? And you can see there's a bond there, given that you guys, a lot of you guys, get together every year to run this absurd mm-hmm. 207 mile race in you know some random part of Virginia. What's that Stanford bond like, and how will you always cherish those those special four or five years that you were there? Well,
1: I think it's just um, you know I wouldn't say it's necessarily unique to Stanford. I think hopefully, I mean, my hope would be that. No matter where you go to school, you develop that type of bond with your teammates. Um, But I think when you're going through similar experiences, you're, um, you know, you're going through the same uh, challenges or setbacks and then sharing in the different successes along the way, I think you just naturally form a connection. And I was just fortunate to have some really great teammates, some really fun guys, some really funny guys, and then some, you know, guys that also at the same time were able to just really work hard and try and get the most out of themselves and so you know i lived with the guys in my class every single year we were able to freshman year we had random roommates but ever since then you know we were always living together with at least one of them when we could have more than one together uh in like a sweet setup we always were and um you know i was just it's just funny because you have no control over that those are just the guys that milt recruited and brought in but they become some of my closest friends and then just the guys above and below me. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Running just brings you together and like obviously, obviously an interest in a school and through the recruiting process, but to some extent you don't really have a lot of control of who is going to end up being on your team. I mean, you have a little control of maybe if you didn't think someone was going to be the right fit, you'd communicate that to the coach, but, um, Yeah, we just had a great group of guys, and I think we all just enjoy spending time with each other. And even though life gets crazy, I think it's been great that the past two years they've been able to do a race like this and bring the group together. Um, You know, I know they have a big goal of doing Hood to Coast at some point, and just timing wise, I don't know if like myself or Grant would be able to make it to that one. But I think, you know, the longer we do this or just the longer you make reuniting at some point a priority, I think you just, it's fun you know you get to relive a lot of memories you get to check in and see where everyone is at in their life and it's just it's a special um i think bond like when you just similar for any team when you're just going through the same experiences and you're both uh or everyone is just riding the waves uh you know hopefully it's it's better or more positive than negative but you know there were years when we had hardship and setbacks and there were You know, we were able to podium three out of the four years I ran cross-country. And so when you share all that stuff, um, you know, they're they're just memories everyone's going to have for the rest of their lives. And so it's very easy to have a bond that runs deep.
0: You talked about earlier, you know, Coach Milt has his classic workouts that he has the guys do every year to get fit and get prepared for specific races. Looking back on your time with him, is there a particular workout that stands in mind that you really enjoyed doing or looked forward to doing when he mentioned you guys were going to be doing it?
1: Well, um, I guess I don't. He's he's varied it over the years, but the basis of the workout has kind of remained the same, and it's usually been one we've done in cross country where um so I, I don't know what the UNC guys did exactly but I just know it ends with like a hard mile and um the first year we did it my freshman year I remember I don't know what we had done beforehand but we like are getting back into the bleachers to like maybe change shoes and he's like okay like before we're done we're gonna do four by 400 with like no rest and so like it <laughs> takes everyone like a couple seconds to, like click okay like oh we're doing a hard mile and you know I remember the top Guys on the team running like 405, 406, and like I fell off a little and ran like 411. But and that I mean it was just hard. But I remember like leaving that practice and being like, oh, like there was a point where 411 was like your PR in high school, and like you just did that at the end of a workout. And it was just like a really fun feeling, and it gets you like fired up with what you're going to be able to do later in the year. And so he's done it at different points, or he's d- kind of done it each year, at least that I could remember. But what we've done beforehand has kind of always changed. So it's never been the exact same workout, but usually it's just a hard mile to get ready and just make you feel ready. And that was probably always one of my favorite workouts in cross country. That's definitely one that comes to mind that, you know, like, I think especially my junior year, like when I kind of knew around the time of the year it was going to come up, like I was gearing up and like ready for it. I was like, I want to absolutely rip this mile. So, um, that was one that was always like probably like a a key uh component of a cross-country season
0: how cool is it to reflect upon you know making it to the world championships this year making your first u.s national (laughs) team and uh competing with the world's best this past year
1: well i I think honestly it's been i don't know if the the right word is funny but i don't know if i've done as good of a job with that as i could have i think um like definitely crossing the line getting third making the team like that like that was pure joy pure happiness like celebration in that moment but i think kind of when i don't know i've probably had to deal with this at different points in my career but when you expect something of yourself i think and you have really wanted it like i i think sometimes i don't always fully soak in the moment, I think I can kind of just look ahead. Um, and I think it's a really fine line because you don't want to just, you know, it wouldn't have been good if I like made the team and I was like, Oh, the job's done. Like I get to go run at worlds and how I do there doesn't really matter. Cause I made it. But I think also just like along the way, or maybe just reflecting on the season, I've been like, okay, like, have you like let yourself actually um, appreciate that accomplishment and the fact that you were able to do it in a year that, wasn't the buildup that you were imagining or would have imagined it was going to be. And I think that's been, you know, a learning curve because I think you can do both. I think you can let yourself celebrate an accomplishment without it taking away from the fact that, you know, there's more to do. Um, I'm definitely not perfect at it. And I think it's something I'll continue to work at. Um, but like when you say that and I like, you know, pause and, and look back, I mean, that was, Was the dream um when i went to you know when i signed my contract with nike and joined bowerman to become a professional the dream was to run at you know the world championships and hopefully olympics one day and represent the united states and so um i think there have definitely been moments where i've i've soaked that in i just think as a whole i probably could have done a little better job of um appreciating that accomplishment and i think like before we start um, you know ramping up for this next year maybe if it's just a final reflection just you know kind of let yourself be like okay you did it and you know that you can do it
0: um, and now you can keep building from there humans always love looking to the future and i think that's the same in sport like we accomplish something we run a pr And then, like, on our cooldown, we're like, oh, I could have run a few seconds faster, placed a few places lower. Um, And we're always looking towards the next thing. And I think humans in general find it hard to, like, truly take a step back and reflect and be grateful for the amazing work we accomplished. Instead, we're, like, always, always looking for the next thing or always being critical of ourselves Mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, do better or achieve more. Um, and I think that's probably exemplified on the world stage, too, when, you know, there, there are medals on the line and you have a contract, you have people to run for, and um, you have coaches who care deeply about you. And because of that, you want to perform well for them. Um, so I definitely totally get what you're saying. I guess um, I guess I asked you this in a previous interview. I think the last one I did with you. But how weird is it to look back? and think that the first event you made a national team in is the 10k Mm -hmm. given your history and shorter distances
1: yeah i mean it's definitely not what i would have guessed like at all um but i think you know i think it started to make more sense i think last year was um kind of the first year where i actually almost did the 10k i ended up rabbiting through 8k and you know, the week leading into the race, Jerry and I were heavily considering doing the 10K and, like, fully in racing it. And I think, honestly, reflecting on the year before I had Achilles surgery, I remember I was talking to him at his house. And I think we both, you know, expressed a little regret that we didn't race that. Um, not saying that I would have done it at the Olympic trials or I would have been able to make that team, but I think we you know, in hindsight, he's like, I just wish we had had that option, because I think he just liked how I had been responding to the different workouts that they were doing. And I've been doing everything with the guys that then went on to, you know, run the qualifying time. Um, so I think that's why we felt good about it being a potential option this year. Um, but I would say like, had, prior to 2021, I probably didn't see it as an event I would be pursuing. But I just think, the way Jerry just trains us as a whole, um, you know, obviously he's, he's very strength oriented. Um, I think if you can handle that type of work and, um, you know, and put it together in a 10 K it's like, kind of like, why not? Um, and you know, I, I like, I still want to be someone that can, you know, run any event from 1500 up. Um, and you know, if we ever do this inter squad meets again, you'll see me on the four by four, hopefully being an anchor. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think kind of just how, like, I mean, life normally is not exactly how you think it's going to go. And so I think if I had been solely set that, you know, the first team I made had to be maybe the 5K, like, that wouldn't, you know, have done me any good. I needed, you know, you need to be open-minded and certain opportunities are going to present themselves. And if you're too focused, on it having to be one way, I think you could miss an opportunity that could end up paying off big time. Um, So, I mean, yeah, kind of just open-minded about the different events. Um, And, you know, you just don't want to put yourself or box yourself into one corner if you don't have to.
0: Kind of elaborating on a previous answer of yours, walking away from this event, what were the biggest lessons that you took away from it?
1: Well, I think, I mean, it, it was just great to actually experience the race on a world level. I mean, I'd heard about what it was like from, you know, Mark, Kieran, Moe, and Grant. And, you know, I'd watched it play out plenty of times. But I think to be in there, to, to feel what it's like, you can't really, obviously, you can't replicate that. And you can hear it from everyone, but you just need to actually experience it. And I think it was just. I kind of walked away just knowing the thing, the different things I wanted to work on heading into next year. And, you know, I was fortunate enough that I got to see everything, you know, I saw all the work that Grant was putting in this year. And I think it was very easy for me to, um, you know, after the race reflect and be like, you know, there's a lot of things that maybe Grant or Mo or other guys on the team were able to do this year in the fall that I just wasn't quite able to do just with where, my body was at coming back from surgery and what you know made sense because um, i think if i had tried to do you know some things i would have probably pushed myself over the edge and just wouldn't have been able to race in general so i think there i know there's a little there's a lot of tiny opportunities um of just things to change or things to increase um that i will ideally be able to implement this year and obviously there's no guarantee that it's going to give you more success or help you run faster. But I think there are changes that I'm excited to make and see if they can continue to help me, um, grow. So it was, it was great experience. And then I just think it was, it provided a lot of insight into the different things I need to help myself get ready for and maybe some of the ways I can go about doing that.
0: So this is probably the most cliche uh, question I could possibly ask, but I'll still ask it anyway. How special was it to have the world champs on U.S. soil? And really, um, in your backyard, <laughs> you live in Portland. I guess you're moving to Eugene, so truly your backyard. What What's it like yeah. uh, to participate in your first ever, like, big, big stage final, uh, really, in your backyard?
1: I mean, it, it was really cool. I think it, it let, uh, I mean, it was just, the atmosphere of when you're there and because you represent the United States, like just feeling like the entire stadium is behind you and the different USA champs on the backstretch like during the 10K, like that stuff cannot be replicated. Um, You know, I I do think it will be exciting to hopefully make teams that are elsewhere just to experience um, what track and field is like in other parts of the world. But I think for the very first one to be in the U S to have, you know, tons of family and friends there to just have a great like Bowerman experience there. Um, that definitely can't be replicated. And, um, you know, it was, it provided some incredible memories. Um, I guess when we flew in, that was the first time we knew Eugene was going to be our new home. So, um, it got things started off the right way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was definitely, it was, it's just when it's the first time and you get to be on that team, I think there's just, there's always a little more meaning with that.
0: I probably asked you something similar in previous episodes, but I think it'll be good to touch on. Uh, anyone who knows you or follows you will know that you have super supportive parents and family overall. So what does this support mean to you to have such supportive uh, parents, family and friends who show up to these events to support you in this dream of yours?
1: Well, you know, they've been there from the beginning. They've been there at the the Wee soccer games, all the way to you know the first youth track meets, and so I think just to have them at you know the biggest meet I'd ever competed at is you know it's a celebration of of their love and belief in me um, as well, and it's it's a shared accomplishment, and so just to have you know all of them there, it just it adds so much to the moment. It makes the moment more enjoyable more memorable um and it just yeah it it elevates like every single emotion i would say so it just you know they're i mean you can't put a value on on the support and everything and um you know i don't know if you you know people always like to say i couldn't do it without you Uh, it's actually funny my sports psychologist was saying like you shouldn't really say that but you can definitely say like i'm so happy i didn't have to do it without them Mm. um and um yeah it just like i said it just it elevates every single experience when i get to have them be a part of it
0: so before i ask some like follow-up questions on your postseason i have to ask a preface question is this the first year how many years has it been since you had a track season and then could do some, like, mm-hmm. postseason races after the big meet? Because I can't recall it in quite some time. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, well, I guess technically I ended 2020 healthy. There was just no meets to do. Um, so mine is that year, it would have been 2018. Um, after is I raced twice over in Europe, and then I came back and ended my season with, like, the Sir Walter Myler um, in early August. And then, yeah, but 2019, um, that summer slash fall with three surgeries. 2020 ended healthy, but, you know, no real racing besides our, our Just team. Just four needs by to fours. Do. Yeah, I mean, which, I mean, those are fun. <laughs> um, you know, last year obviously ended with, with surgery, but this year, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a gift to end. Not not necessarily maybe when you want, but to not be forced to end because of injury.
0: So can you take us through this racing that you did after World Champs and how special it was to you to uh, do these races? Because I think people that follow professional runners can just sense from their spirit that they love postseason racing because there's just less pressure to perform. You can do off distances. You get to travel to more unique places uh, around the country. Some people go to Europe. So uh, take us through this experience of doing some different races after the the major competition.
1: Yeah, yeah. After Worlds, I was ready to be done with the 10K. Um, That was my fourth one of the year, and um, I was like, I think I've tapped out on what I can learn um actually no sorry that was my third one of the year and i was actually not done with the 10k um <laughs> i was about but, to correct you i was like what's uh, he saying yeah i know a little little spacey moment there but um i i just kind of been looking at the schedule and i've seen that there was a 1500 in memphis and you know i love the 1500 and so i You know, it was kind of in Jerry's ear about doing that one while we were still at World's and he wanted to just see how it came off the race, but it it was clear that I was going to be ready to race again. And um, I think Sir Walter, I don't know if they'd reached out, but like I'd mentioned, I'd done it in 2018 and it had just never really worked to go back since, but uh, I absolutely loved that meet and they were a week apart and I was like, oh, it'd be kind of great to pair together two races um, of, you know, the shorter distance because you can kind of just you know, the first one is probably going to be a bit of a shock, but ideally you feel better on the second one. Um, and also with them being on the East coast, I was like, Oh, like in between, I can just hop back home, uh, between Tennessee, um, and flying to North Carolina. And so I was able to get some time at home. So I was like, I think that feels like a good plan. And then what, um, I thought was just going to be like five days at home while before I went down to Sir Walter, um, Jerry called me. He's like, I think you should probably stay in Virginia before you go to NACAC in the Bahamas just because it was going to be super humid and hot. And Virginia just would do a better job of preparing me for that weather um, humidity training wise versus compete or just going back to Portland. And it would just be easier um, flying down to the Bahamas from the East Coast than having to come all the way from Portland. So that kind of turned into my like August training block um in virginia and you know so things started at the ed murphy classic that was certainly a shock um to my body i probably felt like i was like redlining 700 meters in but um it was like 0. 0.02 i think off my 1500 pr and i felt like that was a good race and felt like it put me in a good spot and i had a good mindset heading into sir walter myler and i'm, I'm much happier with how i raced and competed at sir walter um you know, Yared and, um, Festus were able, well, Yared passed me with like a hundred to go and Festus rolled me up the last 50. Um, but I just was much happier that I made a move to like try and win the race and take the lead. Um, and it was an outdoor mile PR. So that was just, that's just a fun race in general. Um, and then, uh, to have a mini, uh, Bowerman reunion with Evan, Woody, and JT down in the Bahamas and just, get to hang out with the other um, men and women on, on Team USA. That was, you know, a pretty fun place to go to, beautiful beaches. Um, not the most enjoyable weather to run a 10K in. <laughs> um, brutally humid. My feet were just absolutely just wrecked from running like a 10K in spikes and just back those conditions. But, um, you know, any, you know, it's obviously it was, it was different than we but it was still a great opportunity to represent the U S again. And, you know, any opportunity to hear the uh, national anthem played is, is not, I don't think should be taken for granted. Um, So that was, it was fun there. Just also to just kind of get back to winning um, and just practice having like a move to put yourself in a position to win, you know, a lot of the year was, was building back and getting more momentum. And so, you know, I don't, Not that I wasn't racing to win, but I think it was great to enter a race and, you know, have a plan that you're putting in place, like, to try and win that you think is going to be, like, your best opportunity. And so I think that was just great practice in general. And um, coming back from Bahamas, like, the goal was originally to go to Europe. Um, It started being a little or ended up being a little harder than – I think I was at least expecting, and I I would say probably Jerry and my agent were expecting to get into some of the races we were going to get into and not being there, I think just started to take a little bit of a a mental toll. I think I was starting to physically just feel the long year kind of build up. Um, You know, since I've been home, I obviously had my family, like, you know, they would, they would come to my workouts, but I think just the, Training on my own at that point, in addition to not really knowing when I was going to race or when I was potentially hopping on a plane and flying to Europe, started to catch up to me. And, you know, I actually started to feel pretty tired and ready for a break. Um, And that usually that's never really happened to me, which was kind of a sign that I was like, okay, you probably need a break. Um, You know, normally I, I always know when it's coming, but I don't think I'm ever like dying for it. And this time I was I was certainly ready, um, I think just mentally, emotionally, and physically to just kind of have a reset. And that kind of lined up with the end of kind of just worked out. and was training through the end of August. Um, but just heading into September, we just decided, like, it just wasn't lining up with the meets we were hoping to get into. Um, and so I started just kind of like our break period where, you know it's some off days it's some easy running it, it kind of is up to you what it looks like and that was just that kind of allowed blue ridge to to happen um and that was something i really wanted to do and was also just really refreshing because it was so different than anything i had done um the past year i'm sorry that was a super long no, no, no 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 it's all good you touched um, on
0: some good stuff so you kind of touched on this a little bit, but how special is it to you to walk away from the season without having an injury that requires surgery? Uh, Just putting it straightforward that way.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm (laughs) more than thrilled. Um, You know, I know my body that I think just some of the stuff has been unfortunate. As far as the Achilles surgeries, I've kind of just you know, the same body that let me run and compete at a high level just happens to, um, you know, have some extra calcification of the calcaneus that causes some Achilles tearing. Um, so I you know, that I kind of just understand that just is with what I was born with, I think, you know, the hardest ones to ever fully understand were like, why the infection happened or that just felt so like random. And seemingly out of control, maybe, and maybe looking back, there were signs that like could have addressed it earlier, but um, you know, and it dragging into three surgeries. I think that one was hard, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's the journey I've been given. And when I can end a season like this, I think it just has me excited to hopefully just keep building with that momentum and just know that I was able to put in a lot of good work last year and that I can use this as, you know, kind of the springboard forward. So, um, it definitely just has me excited. Um, I definitely don't take it for granted after not being able to do it a few years. Um, so yeah, I definitely grateful for it. And then it just, yeah, like I said, thrilled for, uh, what's hopefully to come.
0: So, I personally feel this way. So I'm curious to hear your take on it. Like when I get injured for an extended period of time, I get lots of FOMO. And then when I get out of it, I'm always curious, like, oh, what could I have done in that season if I was healthy and training was going well? Mm -hmm. So do you find yourself thinking that about the previous three years? Or do you realize that you wouldn't be the person you are today and deal with the adversity that you do today if it wasn't, if you didn't go through those things that kind of shaped you into who you are now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I you, that I haven't asked myself like the what if questions, but I definitely try not to spend too much time there. Um it's definitely not something I think about often. And I just think that, that would I just have to be in like the present moment. and I think it's really easy to be like, "Well, what could you've done? Like you wanted to do these things ideally earlier or maybe you envision yourself doing them earlier, but you know, once once the opportunities pass or things happen, I think dwelling too much on what could have been is just going to limit what can be, um, or what you know could happen moving forward. And so, there, there are apps have absolutely been moments where it's like, man, like what could have happened, but I try not to think about that too much because, like you said, um, I've learned a lot. I wouldn't be the person I am without some of the stuff. Um, Do I wish I could have learned the lessons in a different way? Like, absolutely, sometimes, but, you know, sometimes it's just the way you're going to learn something is what has happened to you. Um, Or maybe it just has to be in that situation. So um, yeah, like I said, there's been moments, but I definitely try not to, to dive too deep into them. And hopefully it's more of a fleeting thought than something you're really fitting and giving a lot of
0: time. So I know in the previous few questions I've asked, you've done quite a a bit reflecting on this past season, and I know you probably would have liked to do a little bit more, as I'm sure every single professional athlete would look back on their season and say the same thing. But kind of culminating this discussion of reflection on this past season, in maybe a sentence or two or paragraph, uh, what does this past season mean to you?
1: Um, It was a lot of growth. It was a lot of like, believing in myself and not um, losing faith in what I was able to accomplish. And, and honestly, looking back, I also did accomplish, like, the biggest goals I had for the year. And I was, you know, and indoors, the huge goal was to get the world standard in the 5 of 10. And then the goal was to make the world team. And I feel like with where I was at fitness-wise, I I feel like I was able to get, you know, a lot out of myself. I don't know, maybe I could have been, you know, I don't really know how much higher I was going to be at the world championships. just with where I was at in the year I'd had. Um, so I feel like I was able, you know, I feel like good about the year. Like you said, there's always more you want. Like I definitely don't think every race I ran was perfect. And I think some of them I left, you know, I could have been, um, I don't think I was like my best, but, I do think, as a whole, this year has a whole lot of growth. Um, I took steps to do things that I hadn't done before um, that I was maybe, you know, hesitant to do, or maybe there was some fear holding me back to do, and so I just think all of that stuff is only going to continue to help uh, next year.
0: So, I want to, I know this is the Sean McGordy Podcast, but you wouldn't be who you <laughs> are today without your teammates and I do wanna have you shed some light on the incredible things your teammates did, particularly Grant, who, in my opinion, had the greatest season ever by an American distance runner. And then I'm definitely gonna miss some people, so Bowerman Track Club, don't come at me. But the two other people in my head that are coming to mind is JT made his first world team, I think, and then Evan Jagger. Kind of um like fall on a Sean McGordy path where he's had a rough couple past years, or maybe you're fall on his path. He's had a, a rough past couple of years, and then to ultimately uh, make another steeple team was pretty special to see. So what's it, can you shed some light on your teammates and how proud you are of them for, you know, doing these incredible things that they set out to do despite some great adversity in, cer- in certain cases?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start with JT. Um, he loves to make it super exciting on us and have us on, like, the edge of our seats, but um, I was just, I mean, for making, you know, the indoor world team to making the outdoor world team was just stoked for him. Um, him, Grant and I lived together in Flagstaff and that all the guys were living together in Park City. So obviously spent a lot of time with him at altitude and just was really just happy for him to, you know, make those two world finals and, you know, get to compete against the best. And. Um, I think he, you know, he got 12 in the 1500 and he was also 30 USA's and outdoors. And so we were joking that we were kind of twins in that spot and we uh, promised each other we would move up <laughs> next year. Um, Evan, I mean, he'd been someone I'd watched throughout my entire college career and someone I 100% looked up to when I came onto the team. I still look up to him now. And I just think to see him get back into form and just watch him race with that level of belief again was huge and i think he also just provided a lot of learning uh, a lot of examples that i could learn from because i remember we were running together the day after racing in tennessee and i was kind of talking to him about how after usa's it just seemed like he like flipped this switch and was like suddenly like confident like just you just could see he kind of had like his swagger back and i was kind of hearing like about what he thought happened with that he was kind of talking about how that always seems to just happen with him during that time of the year because i think that something i need or can get better at is if i'm coming back from something i think i can not maybe give myself full credit or let myself like truly believe in the fitness i'm in i kind of maybe still hold on to the time i miss um instead of just fully letting go of that and just fully having like the belief like evan does Um, so that was, that was helpful to talk to him about. And then, I mean, Grant, it was like you said, I mean, it was such a special year. Um, I mean, pretty much flawless. Um, I know he wasn't able to get a medal, you know, at Worlds, but I think he was obviously there and, and capable of meddling in both races. And I mean, just, I learned so much just from watching the different things he did throughout the year and the way he conducted himself. Um, you know, I love being his teammate. I think he 100% helps bring out the best in others. And so I'm really excited to, you know, keep working with him. I know he's going to help me continue to get better. And hopefully, you know, the team and myself can keep trying to close that gap and just have, you know, a crew rolling up at that level, um, you know, would be huge. So I, I couldn't be more excited for,
0: you know, what we can all hopefully do moving forward. So you mentioned the 4x4 the four four race you guys did in 2020. Uh, I have to ask, if you guys lined up the men's team for a 400 right now, what would you place among the guys? Oh,
1: right now?
0: Not right well, now. Not right now, all, not right no, now no, like no, in no, offseason. No, like kidding. in your peak, peak um, form around world champs.
1: JT and Centro did not race the 4x4. Four four. So of the people that did that 4x4 four four in 2020, I did have the fastest split. Um... Lopez, back in the day, would probably 100% win. But, oh, I mean, JT, I mean, my ego does not want me to say that he would beat me. But I think JT (laughs) and Centro, you know, would be pretty tough for me to beat. But I'd like to think that I could be right there with them. So, um, I'm going to put the ego aside and say I won't get first but I'm definitely giving myself top three.
0: Podium, podium. There you go. Uh, Another random but fun question that's coming off the top of my head. People that are real Sean McGordy fans will know that you are the biggest fan of half tights. Why why Uh, so, why (laughs) so passionate about half tights, and have you ever worn split shorts for a race or workout? Because I swear I've never seen you wear them.
1: Well, once you get the uh, tan lines that I have, you kind of just don't want to go back because it's (laughs) utterly embarrassing. That's
0: fair. That's fair.
1: Um, But no, the last time I think I raced in short shorts was sophomore year cross-country season maybe. Um, Maybe throughout that track season. This is in high school, not in college. Um, But in college, I switched to half tights. I don't know. I think I just, I must have just liked the look more. I don't know, know why. Um, there were a few times in college where I would do an easy run. The most recent time, I actually wore short shorts for one run at altitude this past year, and I think just the guys laughed the entire <laughs> run because um, it just, I mean, it looks so ridiculous. So maybe it'll happen again at some point. It usually is able to give everyone else a pretty good laugh. So never a bad thing to uh, whip out, but unless the tan line is gone, do not bet on seeing me line up to race anytime soon in short shorts.
0: You know, people hear about the GPS tan line all the time, but uh, I don't think I've heard of many times guys having a ha- uh, half-tight tan line, so that's funny. How many pairs yeah, do you have?
1: I'll send you, oh, I mean, countless. <laughs> Especially, I mean, Nike Nike treats me well. I was so going to say, you ha- if you're wearing many... them
0: every day, you have to have quite quite the oh. collection.
1: I mean, it's, uh, um, but I'll send you a picture from uh, me laying on the beach uh, or in a chair looking over the beach in the Bahamas and you can just get a sense of what the tan line looked like and peak. In peak summer form.
0: There you go. So in the Sean McGordy uh, Hall of Fame Museum one day, it's just going to be a collection of of your uh, half-tight collection. I love it. Um, kind of on. I mean, the... if they work for
1: Kipchoge, they can work for me.
0: Exactly, so. exactly. And that's the OG listeners, the OG listeners will remember the OG question I used to ask guests, which was what I called the Kipchoge poop question. And part of your answer was, you know, Kipchoge wears half-tights. I wear half-tights. Uh, and yeah, the OG listeners will remember that. Um, kind of, kind of going back into more serious topics. Um, we're all over the place today, but I love it. So we're just talking about your teammates. I want to take some time to talk about your coaches because I think, uh, the BTC coaches don't get enough credit for the incredible work they do with you guys year round and preparing you guys to be at your best level year round. So how meaningful is it? to you to have Jerry, Shalane, Pascal, and Colleen all supporting you in these years of pursuing this dream and helping you accomplish your wildest goals in the process.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's been huge. I still remember, like, when I had to tell Jerry um, that I was going to get surgery last year and just how just immediately he was telling me that, he's like, I don't care if we never steeple again. He's like, I believe in you in the 5K and 10K. And just, I think he's always been... You know supportive and made it clear that he believes in what i'm capable of doing and i think like they've ridden you know the waves of some of just the setbacks or things i've had to overcome um and they've been there along with me i mean colleen i started working with her back in 2019 um in that summer slash fall when i first was coming back from my infection surgeries before she was even on the team so i mean she has seen me through so much and helped me overcome so much. And um, I love working with her and just, you know, the energy and the knowledge she brings, like, I just really think she helped bring out the best, like, in our entire team. Um, and so, you know, we have a lot of people that are passionate about the sport of running. And I think we're, we're really fortunate to, to have that. And I think when Jerry, you know, tells you what he thinks you're capable of doing, it, you know, makes you feel like you can go run through a brick wall so it's you know really valuable to to have people like that in your
0: corner So you've talked about on previous episodes and you talked about a little bit today how you recently have started working with a sports psychologist. So, of course, those who listened to today's episode will know that you clearly improved physically this year by making a world champs team and running multiple PRs. But you were also open about uh, this in a previous episode about working with a sports psychologist. So I'm curious to hear how do you think you've improved mentally and in your mindset this season?
1: Um, Well, I think it's a continual work in progress, but I think he really helped, um, you know, I think he helped me believe that I was going to be able to accomplish the goals I had for myself this year. Um, I think he helped me identify some things that were maybe holding me back um, in certain races. And I think, you know, in the 10K, I think I was able to run that without, like, maybe having like any doubt or things like that. I think sometimes, I don't know why in the 5K, I think there can still be a little bit of hesitation or maybe that race was easier for me to think about the the time I'd missed. I'm not really sure why, but I think, you know, he was, I just remember even like the difference between how I raced Ed Murphy Classic and Sir Walter Myler. Like we had talked in between those two races and that played a huge role in like how I approached You know the race and trying to make that move to give myself the best opportunity to win so he's been um you know a a fundamental piece um i'm really just really happy that i made the decision or you know thanks to you know i was pushed to make the decision so i'm happy i took the leap and uh and did it and i think just You know, after the trials, that was something where I was like, I just feel like doubt and like my mind got in the way. I was like, I knew I was fit, but I just don't think I raced up to where I was capable of. And I think um, exploring that and diving into that, it hasn't been easy, but I think it's been so valuable. And I know it's going to be something that continues to be extremely valuable as I move forward. So, um, yeah, he's been a huge help this year and I know he's going to continue to be a huge help moving forward.
0: That's great to hear. One final question before we get into some rapid fire ones to top off our conversation (laughs) today. What are some things you want to tackle in the coming season or months that will help prepare you to have an even better year this coming year?
1: Um, I think just the biggest thing in the fall is going to be being able to string together just like higher mileage training weeks. I think a lot of last fall was trying to handle the workouts and so mileage didn't really get up to the level I would want it to be at until probably like end of December, but basically altitude camp. And I think fortunately being healthy, like I can get way more time, um, you know, at the level I want to, I think I want to just see where I can, you know, increase the mileage a bit and uh, you know, for our, our runs, maybe it's some longer long runs than I've done in the past, or maybe more consistently doing the longer ones. And so, it's just tiny things, tiny tweaks, um, you know, getting starting like a good legless routine in the fall to just really make yourself strong. And it's just I think sometimes it's just small things that if you can just make them, you know, habits that you're repeating on a weekly basis, then you just, you know, obviously, you are fortunate and get to see the gains. Um, so, so yeah, that's what I'm just really looking forward to about this, about this fall.
0: Those 1% of things, I text you and Elise quotes all the time, those 1% of things that compounded over time make a massive difference. Absolutely. So, okay, let's go into the rapid-fire questions, also known as going to the going-to-the-wall segment. I feel like I could talk to you forever, and it's probably because I can, but we'll just have to save it for another episode down the road, right. and I think we, we touched on some great subjects in today's show. I don't know if I should disclose this person's name because I don't know how juicy of a question this is, but based on the <laughs> question, it just sounds hilarious so you'll have to share uh, the background behind it and maybe you'll know who asked it. The person said which was harder, finishing that assignment or not finishing that box of Oreos? I have no clue what he's talking about.
1: I mean it's it's gotta be uh, one of my college teammates. Um, Basically in my freshman year of college I tweeted back when I actually tweeted (laughs) um, I said I don't know which is going to be harder, finishing this like assignment or paper or not finishing this box of Oreos. And I like tweeted it and then we go and run like USA Junior Cross and like the commentators are like talking about that tweet and how they just think (laughs) it's so funny and shows that I have a sense of humor. So I've pretty much never lived that one down with them. Um, Coincidentally, junior year, I did eat an entire box or pack of family stuff, family size, like double stuff Oreos in one sitting. Um, I wish I could tell you it was hard, too, but I put those things down easy. Um, So, obviously, it is always harder to not finish the box of Oreos than it is the
0: assignment. Oh, that's awesome. I love that story. Um, Another question you got, and I just won't name names of people because it's easier for me, so I don't butcher the usernames. This person asked, if you could learn one foreign language, what would it be?
1: Oh, I mean, I'm so tempted to say... Spanish, because I spent five years of my life taking Spanish, but (laughs) my ability to retain it apparently does not exist. But um, I I might say my brother took Swahili. um, And I think it would be very cool to be able to speak Swahili. Um, But so yeah, I might I might because well, it seems like my days of learning Spanish might be over. I think I would go with Swahili.
0: There you go. Uh, going off of the conversation about half tights, it's almost like this person knew we were going to talk about half tights within the episode. This question, and I personally have interest in this question. Uh, the person said, at what temperature do you pull out long tights?
1: Oh, um, that's such a hard question because there's so many different things that go into it. Right. Are you working out? Is it a long run? Like... Um, is it raining is it windy um, exactly um, so I, I was up in New Jersey visiting some family a few days ago and I think it was in the 40s and I wore long tights and then a short sleeve um, that was kind of how I chose to do it because I was like I don't want to wear both because I'd get too hot So I would say if it's in the 30s I'm probably almost certainly going to be in long tights um, if it is in the 40s it could be iffy my cutoff might be around like 46 degrees um, you know that that's where I'm going to continue like debate between a long sleeve and then only half tights or, or long tights and maybe a short sleeve so there's you know there's a lot that goes into it but um, I'd say the mid to high 40s is is where it's a consideration
0: I, say I agree low with you 40s,
1: it's probably happening
0: yeah. I agree with you Um, another question that was asked that I think kind of relates to the podcast today. And what I mean by that is people that are listening will know that you're currently on break. And also in this past year, you've traveled all over. That's just kind of a part of your job, which is cool. The person asked, what are some of the favorite places you've ever visited?
1: Who ever visited? Um... Through NACAC, I've been able to visit uh, when I was a junior, I did junior cross country, and I went to Trinidad and Tobago, and now I've also been to the Bahamas. So to just experience two of the islands kind of more in the Caribbean, that's been, um, I mean, it's just the beaches there, and they just, it's so beautiful. Um, The Outer Banks in North Carolina is just a spot that holds a special place in my heart, because I just went there every year growing up, and that's just a place that always feels like home. Um, St. Maurice, absolutely stunning. Um, look forward to hopefully going back there soon. And, um, I don't know, just being up in the mountains, like, uh, I've hiked a few 14ers, and I think just being up that high and taking in everything, that, that those are just a few moments that also just come to mind.
0: Uh, we'll take two more questions. The first one is, favorite Taylor Swift song? Um... I don't know why I'm blanking, but I think I'm going blank space. Okay, and then the last question of today's podcast, uh, I really like this one. I've been asked this question before, and I was completely blank as to what I should answer, so I'm curious to see what you'll <laughs> answer. Uh, the question is, if your life was a movie, what popular actor would you want to play you?
1: I thought mm, I got like Um... Either, I like Chris Evans, maybe, or, um, I mean, obviously, if you have Leonardo DiCaprio playing you, it's probably going to be a pretty freaking good movie. I agree. Um, but um, I was going to say someone else, and now I'm completely blanking on that. <laughs> or I was going to say maybe Bradley Cooper. Um, so, the, 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 you know, if, if it's any of those three, um, I think depending on who it is, obviously, it would kind of change the way the movie's going. I know Tom Cruise has been in some running movies before, so maybe he would be a more fitting choice. He could be the stunt um,
0: double to the other three. He, exactly.
1: So um, if I want it to be more of a superhero movie, I'm definitely taking in Chris
0: Evans. So Love it, love it all good picks uh sean this has been a pleasure sitting back and chatting with you per usual thank you so much for coming back on the podcast and closing out 99 episodes of the show it's it's always a pleasure having you on the show and hearing your wisdom and then also fun kicking it back and uh joking around with you about half tights and other stuff so thank you so much for coming on the show and i can't wait to get you back on
1: yeah thank you for having me
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Running Effect. If you enjoyed it, I would greatly appreciate it if you gave us a five star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, shared the show with your friends, even shared it on social media. And you can also support the sponsors who support us, Exact Health and Liquid IV. You can use code The Running Effect uh, on Liquid IV's website to get 25% off all their products. And you can go into the show notes to check out Exact Health, the incredible physical therapy app that can hopefully help you guys stay healthy and stay injury free i hope to catch you all in next week's episode but until then happy running